0: How do you deal with a people who's got this daily morning prayer? And it's a morning prayer that goes like this. Blessed are you, O God, King of the Universe, for not having made me a Gentile. Followed by, blessed are you, O God, King of the Universe, for not having made me a slave. And followed by, blessed are you, O God, King of the Universe, for not having made me a woman. I think the last one really bites, right? Well, what do you do with them? Well you want to teach them godly principles you want to correct their distorted view of themselves and of God you want to go up on high ground and you teach them the sermon on the mount but you need to live out the principles of the sermon of on the mount on the ground so following the sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 the next chapter Matthew chapter 8 does just that You don't want to be a Gentile, you don't want to be a slave or a woman. Jesus dealt with that. He first dealt with a a leper, then a Gentile centurion who owns a slave, and then a woman, Peter's mother-in-law. But today we want to look specifically at the Roman centurion. I counted eight centurions who were mentioned in the Gospel and in Acts And would you believe it that all of them are good guys? Or at least they were not explicitly bad people as recorded in the Bible. So I get this feeling that God maybe has has a soft spot for those who understand authority like centurions. A centurion is a commander, a commander of 100 men, you know, a century. And in today's terms, he would be uh, the equivalent of a company commander, uh, probably a captain or a major. And I also learned something, that a Roman centurion has, you know, what he wears on his helmet, that plume is horizontal like this, okay? When you see those vertical ones, it's, uh, it's a penkia. <laughs> it's uh, like a normal soldier. I don't, I don't know how true this is, but I only saw one website that described this. So that people know who the commander is, right? You see a helmet like that, I know the commander and I will follow him. But these days, uh, these days in our army, I think the ranks are hidden. It's like you don't want to let people know that I'm a captain, you know? Captains will be shot first. And actually, it's not like that, uh, but the ranks are here, and by the time you wear your webbing and all that, you cannot see the rank anymore. So let's read Matthew chapter 8, from verse 5 to 13. There is also a parallel passage in Luke chapter 7, but let's look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 8 verse 5 When Jesus had entered Capernaum a centurion came to him asking for help Lord he said my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering Jesus said to him I will go and heal him the centurion replied Lord I do not deserve to have you come under my roof but just say the word and my servant will be healed for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. (coughs) When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside, into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. It's an amazing story about an amazing fellow. You know that Romans hated the Jews, and the Jews hated the Romans even more. In Luke's account it tells of the elders of the Jews speaking up for the Gentile Roman centurion. And the elders said that this Roman, this Gentile, deserves to have Jesus heal his servant. This Italian guy loves us Jews. This Italian guy has compassion on his servant. And this guy even built a synagogue in Capernaum. And this is a picture that I took a couple of years ago. This synagogue in Capernaum, if there were only one in Jesus' time, which is very, very likely, is still there. It's now called the White Synagogue because they use white limestone to build. But the black part is where the old synagogue uh, was—is that black basalt rock foundation—and that is from the time of Jesus. And at that time, there was this amazing Gentile man who amazed Jesus, whom Jesus commended as having great faith. There was another person Jesus commended as having great faith, and that can be found in Matthew chapter 15 verse 28. It was a Canaanite woman who went to Jesus because her daughter was demon possessed. And the disciples were just saying, "Send her away. She's talking too loud. She's begging. She's really bothering us." And then Jesus replied, and I thought that Jesus' answer was really amazing. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15 verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Then in 26, it is not right to take children's bread and toss it to the dogs. What kind of a cruel answer is that? But note verse 27 when this Canaanite Gentile woman says, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs <coughs> eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So what is the moral of this story? Is that you cannot outtalk talk a woman. Nah, even if you're Jesus, you cannot out a woman. Jesus wasn't being cruel. Jesus was eliciting faith. And then finally it made sense when I read verse 28, and Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. But with the centurion, he didn't say, you know, I don't want to feed the dogs, you dogs. He had a very different approach, even though both centurion and centurion and Canaanite women were not the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus simply said in Matthew chapter 8, verse 7, I will go and heal him. Instantaneous, I will go and heal him. And with that, he also elicited faith. You see, the the centurion did not take the cue from the Jewish elders. The centurion did not say, Jesus, I love your Jewish people, you know, even though they are very hard to love. I even built a synagogue for them. Now it's payback time, Jesus. I deserve your help. Please heal my servant. Instead, the centurion said, if it were in singlish, he said, no need come. Pai say, I'm not worthy. You just say the word, and my slave will be okay. I understand authority. I tell my soldiers, kanan pusing, and the kanan pusing. I tell them, kiri pusing, and the kiri pusing. Cepat jalan, and cepat jalan. Okay, if you don't understand that, go, go ask the person next to you. <laughs> Jesus commended this Roman centurion for his... Great faith. And then went on to warn the Jewish people around him that you guys being descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that it does not give you an automatic passport to salvation in heaven. Salvation is by faith, like that of this Gentile centurion. Or slave, or woman. Faith. Let's note the word astonished. In the Greek, it is thomazzo. It's translated as amazed, astonished, marvel. Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished, he was amazed, he marveled, he was taumazo, and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. This word, this Greek word, is mentioned 40 times in the Gospels. Usually, it's about disciples and the people around Jesus being very amazed, being very taumazo at Jesus, but there are three times that it was referred to Jesus himself being amazed. Twice it was for great faith, and once it was for little faith, the one in great faith, you read Matthew 8:10, the parallel passage in Luke chapter seven, verse nine. But the one that Jesus was amazed at the lack of faith is found in Mark chapter six, verse six. And Jesus was amazed, astonished, marveled at their lack of faith. And he could not do many miracles there. Because of their little faith. What is little faith? Little faith in the Greek is the opposite of faith, right? Pistia is faith. Apistia is, is little faith, or is also translated as unbelief or lack of faith. And there are, that that word is used five times in the in the Gospels. So I'm not going to read through that. Uh, you can download all those verses uh, from from the net. Little faith, lack of faith, unbelief because they were focusing on the physical and the temporal, and not the spiritual. And the fact that they could not bring themselves to believe in Jesus and who he was. Now, we all know the Bible's definition of faith, right? Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1, 1, or some of us might remember it better as, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But this, this substance, this evidence, it's got to be based on something. So, faith what is faith based on? Faith is based on a person, based on, based on someone. Um, there is a song that goes, I believe for every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. You know that song? I believe that in the darkest night a candle glows, and every time I hear a newborn baby cry or touch a leaf or see the sky, then I know why I believe. What is that? What is that? It's, what is this songwriter's faith based on exactly what does he believe in? You cannot tell. It's kind of fuzzy-wuzzy uh, kind of a faith. That is another song. Um, I believe for Every Drop of Rain in the Falls, 1953, okay, written by four guys. 1971, Mac Davis wrote this song, I believe in music, I believe in love. Music is love, and love is music, if you know what I mean. And people who believe in music are the happiest people I have ever seen. So you believe in music? You know what I mean? You know what he means? I don't know what he means. So what is faith, what is belief based on? This is a fuzzy, fuzzy kind of thing. Or the worst one is this, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Uh, R. Kelly 1996. This is worse than Fuzzy Wuzzy. This song can kill. Right? If you believe it can fly, you believe that, it can kill you. So faith cannot be a contentless faith. Faith cannot be misdirected. Our faith is based on someone. It's based on Jesus. That is why we always pray in Jesus' name. We cannot do otherwise. In some countries... Uh, Christian pastors are uh, sometimes asked like in uh, inauguration ceremonies uh, for the new president to pray or in some occasion uh, asked to pray. But sometimes they are asked not to pray in the name of Jesus. No can do. Okay? Fortunately, I haven't been asked to pray in any of these ceremonies in Singapore. But if you tell me you cannot pray in the name of Jesus, no can do. Cannot. Because our faith is based on Someone. There was a beggar in Jerusalem in the time of Peter and uh, uh, John when Jesus had already uh, resurrected in Acts chapter uh, 3. And Peter and John looked at him and healed uh, this, this beggar. And, and, and what did he say? By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see now and know was made strong. The beggar was, was healed. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has given this complete healing to him, as you all can see now. It is faith in Jesus' name because Jesus has the authority. All our prayers are based on the name of Jesus because all authority has been given to him by the Father. Therefore, now go into the world and teach them and make disciples and pray. And even pray for healing, as we would do this Wednesday. So when I pray, my words and my prayer are are not empty words. They are words of requests. They are left there with someone of authority. Even when Jesus did not go to the home of the centurion, the the centurion can leave his prayer request with the one who has ultimate authority. You pray, you just leave it there with God. Secondly, faith is based on humility. Humility. I just heard once a preacher said this, he says, you don't ask God for things, you just tell Him what you deserve. Well, I know, I know that we are children of Almighty God, we are highly favoured and blessed and all that, but our prayers are respectful requests. Our prayers are not deserving demands. But unfortunately, this, this kind of thinking is a very central tenet of this word of faith uh, movement which you might have heard of. And... And they say that as children of God, we just declare it, you name it, you claim it, you get it. It's it's hyper grace to the extent of extreme self esteem. You get what I mean? Right? Of course we know that we are children of God, we are highly beloved, we are highly favored, and all that, but what we do not approach God with that lack of, of humility is actually a very perverted form of pride. And we do well to acknowledge that yes, God gives grace. James chapter four, verse six tells us about give, He gives us more grace more than we can, we can take, more grace. And that is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when we come to God in faith, it is a humble kind of faith. And thirdly, faith is based on reverence. It's not just you say the word and God will do your bidding. Who's got the last word? God has got the last word. The centurion told Jesus effectively, Jesus, you have the last word. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2, it reminds us, do not be quick with your, word, with your mouth and do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, you are not on earth, so let your words be few. Last week I was in India and I met Pastor Danny's pastor an old man in his 70s, he was the, the spiritual father to Pastor Danny when he was sort of, uh, when Pastor Danny was like, like, like kicked out of his house and he took uh, Danny on and mentored him. And all. He founded 150 churches. So I went to his office, I, was, I went there in fear and trembling. He like, said, this must be this larger than life A guy. But he was small, humble, he hardly talked. It was, was like whispering, you know. And then when I attended the worship, he was not seated on the main, I was seated on the stage. He was seated down there, right at the corner, uh, and just very quiet, hardly speaks. He was very careful with his words. And that's the kind of reverence uh, for God, let not your words be many. Here's another way to look at faith, I think, in its totality. Comprehension, conviction, and action. Comprehension, what do you believe in? someone asked this man. And this man says, I believe what, the, my, what my church believes in. I said, very good. So what does the church believe in? Oh, my church believes what I believe. <laughs> I said, okay, very good. What do you and the church believe? We believe in the same thing. <laughs> okay. I don't know whether there's any comprehension there or not. You've got to know what you believe. You've got to know who you believe, right? And I, and I think that centurion... I don't think he just like just walked up to Jesus and and asked, I think as a good commander he would have an intelligence officer. Right? He was asked his S2, go check out this guy Jesus. Right? He would have a whole portfolio of what Jesus has done before him before he would approach Jesus himself. I think he would have done some research. It would not be a contentless kind of faith, a non-comprehending kind of faith. Number 2, it Moves on to conviction. You know that's something I, I would really like to do in the church one day. Okay, I'm going to get two guys. Maybe I get Zai Yong, okay, who's a commando officer and one of his guys, and then they will be fully garbed in uniform, and then they will march into the church, okay, and they will fire the gun, okay, la blanca, uh, okay, they'll fire the guns, and then they'll say, okay, all of you, those who want to live. Renounce your faith. Sit on this side. Those of you who continue to want to be Christians, you will die. You can sit on this side. And then I don't know how many will sit on this side. Okay? And then it says, you who sit on this side, just get out of Wow, and then you're so happy, you know, you just run out because you, you, you are spared. And then the two of them, Zai Yong and his friend, will come out here and say, we have come to worship with you. We just want to get rid of those who have no conviction. Oh, I would love that. Huh? Don't you think? Okay. Conviction. Faith is born out of comprehension, but also conviction and finally action. Like I say, that's a great experience for me that one week in, in India. And even for me, there was quite a bit of culture shock. Uh, even though here in Singapore, I have Indian friends, I love to eat curry. But every single meal was curry, okay? You cannot find non-spicy dishes in southern India. Not even in a hotel. But I just began to imagine, what was it like for the early missionaries? This guy, for example, William Carey, who went there, he had strong beliefs, I think. He comprehended the faith. He was convicted that Jesus is Lord. And he took action. He went to India. This guy who lived from uh, 1761 to 1834, very long time ago. I believe he was humble. I know he was humble. He was a cobbler. He was a cobbler. But other people didn't like to call him a cobbler. They call him a shoemaker. A bit more atas, right? A shoemaker sounds better than a cobbler. He took action. He challenged the hyper-Calvinism of his day, which basically says that uh, if God wants to, wants to convert someone, he would, he would do it without your help. Everything is predestined, no need to share the gospel. No point evangelizing. But he took action that was based on the conviction of his faith. And he went to India, he learned languages, and he expected great things from God, he attempted great things for God, he translated the Bible into many Indian languages, one of which is Telugu, I found out, and they are still using his translation. Can you imagine that? In the 1800s, (coughs) there's a movie made about him, Candle in the Dark, I believe we have it in our library. Go cool. go watch it. It's, it's quite amazing. I'll share with you another missionary, Gladys Elwood. Um, 1909, uh, 1902 to 1970, more recent. She went to China as a missionary. An amazing story. And when the Japanese came and conquered part of China, she led 100 children on a 100-mile uh, on journey. Over 27 days, she was only four feet ten inches tall. They made a film about her, uh, but they had to use a more beautiful face <laughs> than this. Okay, I know she's beautiful in God's eyes, huh? but they used Ingrid Bergman, way taller than her. Spoke with her. I think is it, is it a Swedish or Scandinavian accent. Uh, there were so many criticisms over the inaccuracies of this movie. The movie is called The Inn of Sixth Happiness. They even got this wrong. What Chinese will use six happiness? We use eighth happiness. Eight happiness. And uh, if you are if you're savvy with the internet, you can watch this for free. If you don't know how, um, I'll, I'll teach you off the pulpit. <laughs> one time, Gladys Alward was, was in despair and she was just feeling utterly hopeless on that 100 mile journey with only one assistant, leading 100 children, some of whom are very, very small. And she had a sleepless night. And a 13-year-old girl came up to her to remind her that Moses also led the Israelites out of Egypt and even through the Red Sea. But Gladys' reply was this, But I'm not Moses. And imagine the 13-year-old girl tell her, "But Of course you're not, but Jehovah is still God. So are you a centurion? You're not a superhero like a centurion, and you're not a superhero like Gladys Elwood or or William Carey or Moses, but we have the same God. The focus is not on who you are, a cobbler, and Gladys Elwood was a domestic helper. She was a maid in London. They were really low down on the totem pole, a cobbler and a maid. The focus is not on who you are, the focus is on who you believe and who you have faith in, Jehovah is still God. And are you a person of great faith, like the centurion? Will you be a person of great faith, like the centurion? But let me ask a simpler question. Are you a faithful child of God? Can you be? Much simpler question, I think, it's easier to answer, right? I think, are you going uh, to be a person of great faith, like a centurion, or Gladys Elwood? You find that very difficult to answer. Probably not. But I just ask you, Will you be a faithful child of God? I think we can answer that. But the word faith and faithful comes from the same Greek word, pistis. Great faith is like that of the centurion, William Carey, Gladys Albert. They all sound fantastic. But let's be realistic. You're never going to be like them. Or, or we'll say, I'm never going to be like them. But can you be faithful? Can you be faithful like a soldier whose Room is not horizontal but vertical, just a pink yang. Can you be faithful like a humble maid? Can you be faithful like a humble cobbler? I think that's more realistic. That doesn't sound so fantastic. That's realisable. What is the ultimate commendation that all of us want to hear from Jesus? You know that, right? Matthew 25, 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. He didn't say, well done, you servant with great faith. He just said, faithful servant, faithful with a few things. So can I say this? If you're faithful with a few things, just be faithful with a few things and you will be faith-filled by the great faith-filler. Is that realizable? Some people use this expression, oh, let faith arise. In fact, I just heard a preacher yesterday who said, "Release the faith within you," as though we could somehow manufacture faith inside us. Faith doesn't arise. Faith doesn't just just uh, be released. Faith comes. Faith comes. Romans ten seventeen tells us, "Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ." And I hope that faith comes to all of us this morning, from this message, from the word of Christ, in Matthew chapter 8, our faith is based on someone, the Lord Jesus. Our faith is based on on humility, that our words be filled, because God gives grace to the humble. Our faith is based on reverence. It is not manufactured or released. In fact, we need help. We need help. When we come to the end ourselves, that's when faith comes. In Mark chapter 9, Verse 24, there is this famous prayer. The boy whose, uh, the father whose boy was healed, Jesus, uh, the, boy, the father said, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. He wants to believe, and yet he's struggling with unbelief. I think that's where all of us are. I think that's where all of us are. I, I haven't seen a Roman centurion kind of faith yet, but we can get there as long as we are faithful with the few things. And even with the few things we have a problem with, and we need God's help. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. So come and pray. Come and pray to God who will help us to overcome our unbelief. I'm thinking about our healing prayer service. We've run it now for how long? I remember we started it in one September. So it's a year plus. Uh, Has it been a year plus? Yeah, last September. We started with a bang and everybody was excited, but now it's kind of like getting a bit humdrum, don't you think? Uh, we, We haven't had a case of cancer being healed yet but let's continue praying. We've got many babies come, uh, people who were unable to conceive or complications in surgery, uh, uh, not surgery, complications in pregnancy. But would you come, would you just be faithful and come and pray and let's see what God can do? God didn't ask us to to strive to have great faith. He just asked us to be faithful. So let's be faithful. Let me invite the musicians to come and we'll sing a final song together. And... uh, I, I like the song only because of the, the starting phrase. To say the word, okay, God, you say the word, and I will live for you. Uh, while the musicians are, are, are preparing, there is another story about Gladys. Edward I want to tell you that uh, one day there was this prison, and this guy who have a big chopper, meat cleaver, was going berserk, and the policeman, the Chinese policeman, dare not go in. They asked Gladys go in, four feet ten inches. And she said, no, no, no. Then they they said, but you said your God can do anything. Then she had no choice. She went in, and she went in, trembling, and asked the man, give me your meat cleaver. And the man gave it to her. She settled everybody, and she was able to calm the whole situation. That kind of faith. Just say the word. Let's rise. say you face the face Your presence made. A rededication to the Lord. let's tell the Lord you just say the word and I will follow. I will simply live for you a simple act of faithfulness. And like Benny said in the video, let's know the Word of God that we might know the God of the Word and whatever we read in the Bible, we are faithful, we believe, we take action so that we will receive the commendation from the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't need to be thinking about great faith. We need to be thinking about simple faith. The faithfulness that will respond word for word. And So Lord, would you just say the word, we will sing for you, we will follow you. We simply live for You. So thank You, Our Father, for Your Word to us. I pray that our faith will continue to be strengthened as grace upon grace, praise upon praise, and also faith that will grow and grow. Help us, each one. I believe. Help my unbelief. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.